That was really good. It's really important because that's what you guys are all here trying to learn, how to be good moms, how to glorify God in your mothering. So before I get started, let, let me pray really quick. So, Laura, thank you um, for allowing me to be here with these young ladies. And um, I just would pray that you would um, soften their hearts and open their eyes to your word. And I thank you that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, that the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, or the commandment of the Lord, is pure, enlightening the eyes. And we know that God, you spoke to us uh, so that our joy may be full and that it would be in you. And so we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for saving us, that we can have the hope of salvation. And because of that, God, we can exercise discipline and we can put into practice the things that you have laid out in your word for us today. So I just ask that you be with our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, ladies. Tawny kind of already introduced me. Um, but for some of you, uh, first of all, thank you guys for all of who serve here. This ministry has been going on for a long time. I was a part of it for a short stint, um, yeah, before I, we left a few years ago. And uh, you're a blessed church to have the kind of leadership and older women here. It's amazing. So be thankful. Having older women step up is it's not common in every church. So just, just know you are blessed. Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share some things God has taught me in the area of self-discipline. Some of you may remember me speaking, some of you, some of you uh, on this topic in 2016. So that was six years ago, but I had enough content for like three different messages. So I'm going to stick to my notes today so that we can get through this. Um, they're like a third of what I did. So... Um, I've learned from my mistakes and hope, and John has helped me. He's like way too much content, honey. So he tells me, he keeps me in line. He's the speaker, the preacher. I'm not. Um, <clears throat> but lots has changed. As you know, um, back in 2016, my oldest was um, in college and dating his future wife. Uh, Sarah was a sophomore uh, in college. I had a son in high school and a son in junior high. And now I have... They're all over the place. JT and Caitlin are in Illinois. He's been a pastor now for six years, and I got to have—I get to have a grandbaby now, but she's far away, so I get to Facetime her, and you know that's fun. It's not the same as holding her, but that's okay. Um, and Sarah and Jacob are in uh, Santa Clarita, so they're just a couple hours up the road. Um, he works at the Master's College, and Sarah's teaching at Newhall Elementary, so she is doing that. And jo Joey went to the Coast Guard right after high school, so since he was 18 and it's almost been four years. So that's coming to an end, but he's been in Florida the last couple of years. And then Jack has been with me this last week with five of his friends from the college because it's spring break. So, but for the most part, John and I are empty nesters. John is on the pastoral staff at Tri-City Bible Church in Vista. We live in a new community and we have no children living at home except this last week. And the past few years, uh, since being here at FBC, I've seen God grow me in ways and I praise him for daily. He's been my faithful heavenly father who has grown me through some trials and challenges along the way. And I may be a little further ahead of all of you, but it seems like just yesterday I was holding my firstborn. 
with a new weight of responsibility I had never experienced before and the immense love I had never imagined before. I'm not a theologian or an expositor, but just an older woman coming to you as a pilgrim, a sojourner in the short life that wants to pass on some things God has taught me as a mom over the years. So for the past few months, I've been reading, shocking, I will Kylie be proud. Just so you know, I wasn't a reader growing up, so God had to formulate. I was, sort of, but just the Bible. Um, I didn't really care for much else, but the Bible's important, I know, so he's taught me. So I'm reading Sinclair Ferguson's book, The Whole Christ, which is not an easy read. If you've ever read it, it's like you got to like take a lot of time. But this book explains legalism versus antinomianism. Those are really big words, and how the gospel... You're like, yeah, I know. That's why I don't read a book like that, because of those words. Um, And I'll define those. But how the gospel is a cure for both. Legalism is the belief that you can save yourself by works or works that are required for justification. Antinomianism is the belief that once you're saved, you don't have to obey the law of God. He states in the book that the root of both legalism and antinomianism is the same. He goes on to say that it is a fatal pastoral mistake to think of legalism and antinomianism as complete opposites, like I would have had, I I would have thought. Rather, they are non-identical twins from the same womb. Both mindsets refuse to believe in the love and graciousness of God. They both fail to see obedience as the way to give the gracious God delight as well as the way to become our true selves the people we were created to be. You're probably thinking, what does this have to do with discipline and laziness? Well, just as the cure or solution to both legalism and antinomianism is the gospel, the cure for self-motivated discipline and laziness is the gospel. And I wanna define the gospel. The gospel is a good news that Jesus lived the perfect and active life of obedience that I could not and died the death on the cross that I deserve because of my sin, rose again, proving he was God. By placing your faith and confidence in that truth, one receives the gift of salvation and is now justified, declared righteous by God. And if you haven't placed your faith and confidence in Christ, may today be the day of salvation. So I need to put that in there. Um, It's important, it's foundational. And I don't know what category you identify with as it relates to discipline and laziness, but the remedy is the gospel. If you were to ask me what category I most identify with, I would most likely tell you that I'm a fairly disciplined person or else Dom wouldn't have asked me to come speak. (laughs) I'm kidding, but I'm nowhere perfect. I never have been, but I think that some of these habits, and Kylie talks about this, the habits were formed very young. At a young age of 12, I put my faith and confidence in the work of Christ on my behalf. I was determined to get up early, read my Bible, pray, make my bed, get to school, do my homework, help at home, go to youth every week, attend D group and church. I played sports and practiced to excel. I spent time with older women, was discipled, and the list goes on. And it wasn't until God in his loving providence happened to pluck me from my comfortable life, like he did three years ago, (laughs) again, at that time though, I was married with two children, two years and six months old, and had been attending Grace Church since the fourth grade. John and I were in ministry and had deep friendships that had been fostered for years. We were transplanted to Canyon Lake because of my husband's job. The next three years proved to be very hard for me. I came to realize that I unintentionally believed that all my works and service for the Lord 
The self-discipline and obedience I exercised deserved and warranted better circumstances. I was a legalist. Trying to earn God's favor by my performance when all along I already had his favor. I began to question God's sovereignty, his perfect righteousness, his goodness, and his love. I believed the lie that Eve did in the garden. God doesn't really have my best in mind and is withholding from me what is good. This is why today I want to contrast these two non-identical twins and apply the gospel to both. Notice the motivation for self-discipline is oftentimes distorted and is pursued from selfish desires, right? The same goes for laziness. It's a symptom of a greater issue, pride and selfishness. And much like the root of legalism and antinomianism, we look to our own understanding of life and exchange the truth of God for a lie. The lie that you can't trust God's goodness and his commitment to your happiness. When our motivation to obey is confidence in the truths of scripture and in God himself, we, with gratitude, are able to live disciplined lives that bring him glory. So discipline, by definition, is a way of behaving that shows a willingness to obey rules or orders, self-control. The verb form of discipline means to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. So this morning, I want to cover three aspects of discipline that I hope will encourage you today. I don't want you to leave feeling defeated um, in your pursuit of glorifying God in these disciplines today. So know that's my heart. The first one, um, well, we're going to cover three. Disciplines, posture, practice, and byproduct. Now, you have an outline there. There's a lot of stuff in there. So I'm going to kind of, you can fill in as we go. First, the posture of discipline is humility. You guys are used to filling in the blanks, so I forget. <laughs> Chris is really good about outlines. We don't have that at Tri-City, so I'm like, oh, I gotta take a lot of notes. Um, the definition of humility is a modest or low view of one's own importance. C.S. Lewis states, it's not thinking less of yourself, rather it's thinking of yourself less. So 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 says this, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. And these scriptures are laid out in your outline too. Because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Elizabeth Elliot says this, that the totality of the believer's response is discipline. It's a wholehearted yes to God's call. And God's call here in 1 Peter is to humble yourselves under God's mighty, under his mighty hand. And aren't you grateful that God's mighty hand is one of mercy, compassion, and steadfast love? And much like clothes that we put on every day, humility is what Peter is calling the believer to put on. Humility requires us to submit, which means to yield to the authority of another. <clears throat> when he commands us in James 4, 7, to submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, we can be confident that he will provide the ability to obey. In Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, this is a great verse, and I love how the Amplified Version reads. It says this, It is because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed, because his tender compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great and beyond measure is your faithfulness. I hope some of you realize that this morning, <laughs> waking up as early as you did, that his mercies are new every morning. Like that is something we can rejoice 
in every single day. God's power is displayed in our weakness, and he promises grace to us as we discipline ourselves to come under his authority with joy. And as you look to Christ and cast yourselves at his feet, you begin to see that personal discipline is an obedient response to the gospel and not one of drudgery. So not only do we humble ourselves under God's sovereign, loving hand, but we, letter B, submit to the gospel, not our own efforts, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, John 1, 12. And 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Paul also says in Galatians 3.3, 3, and you guys are going through Galatians, are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? No, we must not think that we can add anything to the free grace of God, that God, that God grants at salvation. Reminding ourselves every day that we are sinful, helpless, and hopeless apart from the forgiveness of Christ places you and I in a position to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. It also places you under God's mighty hand. We see that humility is required and given by God to submit to his authority and the gospel every day. This is the enabling power for obedience. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Because of our union with Christ as believers, we have been justified, declared righteous, our old self crucified, and are free to obey, no longer slaves to sin, and are alive to God. And when you read the Bible, look for all the ins or with words, and let it remind you that because of our union with Christ, as believers, we have all the positional and practical blessings of Christ. And there's a chart in your outline that has positional blessings and practical blessings. And use this to, for prayer, for meditation, to look up, to be reminded that because you are in Christ as a believer, these are all yours. Promises, gifts, these are yours because you are in Christ. And we can obey as we position ourselves under the Lord and his amazing gospel with gratitude and joy. <clears throat> so point number two, we're going on to the practical part real quick. Discipline's practice. And it's obvious, right? Obedience. The key passage for this is found in 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. And I, I gave you a lot of context here. There's obviously more. But in pointing out these things to the brethren, or ladies, I always like to personalize it, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, constantly nourish, nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, the gospel, the truth of the gospel, but have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women, like me, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Older one. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. And it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance, for it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of believers. <clears throat> Notice the motivation for disciplining yourselves for the purpose of godliness. It's Christ. 
We see that discipline for the purpose of godliness to grow to be more like Jesus with a motivation that flows out of love and gratitude as we fix our hope on the living God. I'm going to discuss five disciplines that I believe ought to be developed for every Christian mother in this room. Remember that the definition I am using for discipline is to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Sounds like what you guys are doing with your toddlers, right? Yeah, it's the same thing for us. This doesn't happen overnight, right? We know that <laughs> training day in and day out of our kids, our own hearts too. This doesn't happen overnight and requires perseverance, fortitude, and purpose. Another term I would like to define is ordinary means of grace. Um, these are God's appointed instruments by which the Holy Spirit enables believers to receive Christ and the benefits of redemption. The main ones being the word, the ordinances, communion and baptism in the context of the local church and prayer. And this is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Hopefully you have the little shorter catechism in there. <laughs> I love the little ones for kids. It's great. Super simple. And for me. Um, once I go through these, I will provide some practical ways you can start to incorporate these in your life. So the first discipline I want to cover is choose the word. It happens to be reading, right? What we talked about. It's like this theme. It's super important. Um, and reading the word to your kids. <clears throat> Books are awesome. And I wouldn't exchange any of them because I love books and my house was full with, of books. Um, but the word of God, don't underestimate the word of God, reading it out loud to your children all the time, especially your babies. Um, and I'll talk about that later today, but choose the word. Romans ten seventeen says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Psalm one nineteen eleven. your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where do you go for answers? That would be the question. Google, perhaps you go to friends, Bible study groups, community groups, or church. Those aren't all bad places for information. But how many of you personally open up the word of God and read it to know and understand your heavenly father and his will for your life? The privilege we have to actually own a Bible, or many of us, several Bibles, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> is a treasure. Turn your duty of reading God's word into the light because you need it for life. Jesus makes you worthy by his blood, so the appropriate response should be to set an alarm, a reminder on your phone, have a plan, and choose the word every day. May we be like Peter, who confessed, Lord, to whom shall we go? That's right. You have the words of eternal life. Don't underestimate time spent with Jesus in his word. Secondly, Ceaselessly pray. First Thessalonians, familiar verse, 517, commands us to pray without ceasing. I don't want to complicate this discipline because it simply means talking or communing with God. But I want to ask, do you feel the need to pray? If your answer is no, and be honest with yourself, repent and ask God to show you your need. We need help. Um, at every stage of life, we need help. You might think this season is one of the hardest seasons in your life. And to you, it is. Because that's all you know right now. You don't know what's coming, right? And God gives you the grace every day to not worry about the future, but to know today, I, I have what God gives me what I need today. But um, 
you don't know what the future holds, but we need him for every season of life. Um, sometimes more later, <laughs> right? Empty nesters. Uh, sometimes we realize we need Christ probably more, but that's just maturity, right? That's how God matures us. But prayers throughout the day are critical as moms. So plan as well to take time to stop every day, kneel, bow, put your forehead to the carpet and seek the Lord in focused, undistracted prayer. Prayer must begin with an understanding of your need. And I want to just take a, a moment. I, I shouldn't do this, but one of the things Kylie said is reading out loud. <laughs> and I, that it not only helps me, I read out loud because it's not only like, like two senses working at the same time. I know there's some, something that's really important. She even said it. I couldn't repeat it. But praying out loud, even so, talking to God, you're preaching to yourself, right? You're, you're hearing, not just internalizing thinking, but you're using another sense. So praying out loud is, is really helpful in these younger years, especially. I do it older because I'm still distracted by other things, but you're more distracted when you have little children. But are you often anxious, discouraged, lonely? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Please notice that promise. The promises of God are what roots us in times of pain, fear, and all other feelings that come at us each day. Start with five minutes a day. Go to your closet a place where you can entreat your Heavenly Father who loves you. Use a psalm, the Lord's Prayer, whatever you read to your children that morning. Pray. Letter C, commit to church. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day drawing near, the Lord's return. So go every week to church, whether you feel like it or not. <laughs> it's one of the means of grace that our souls cannot afford to miss. We need to hear the word preached with and among other believers. Real biblical church is not in isolation. It's not at home online. It's with the family of God in the local visible church, the people you will be with <clears throat> for eternity in heaven, worshiping the Lord. You get to go to church. It's a gift and a privilege. And unlike the early church in Hebrews that we just read, your life is not being threatened and you're not being persecuted for going for the most part. These people could have lost their lives. I think the writer of Hebrews would have been appalled, like the excuses and the reasons why we don't go to church today. Do you prioritize church attendance? Where does it fall in your mind and heart in importance for the growth, for your growth and godliness? Maybe you have a spouse that would rather go to the kids' sporting events or camp on the weekends regularly. Submission to God's word comes before submission to your husband. I want to say that, but let me encourage you to go even when perhaps your spouse doesn't want to. Obey the Lord's command and discipline yourself to go because it is a way to love God and others. And in it, you will be blessed too.
Fourth, walk and live in community. Now, some of you take this very seriously and literally live in the same neighborhoods. <clears throat> I know, West Marietta is now, like we moved and everybody came, so it's great. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. Who do you prioritize time with apart from your immediate family? Christian sisters, older women, or are you what they call an introvert? Webster's defines an introvert as a reserved or quiet person who tends to be introspective and enjoys spending time alone. You could also be the opposite. You have FOMO, fear of missing out. Well, we see in the early church in Acts 2, 44 through 47, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, progressive dinner, I don't know. They were taking their meals together and with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. How is walking in community a discipline? Well, it requires effort, planning, and work to make it happen, especially with littles. The motivation to do this comes from the Holy Spirit reminding you that God through Jesus, that's a cute little thing. <laughs> I like that, so I was like, oh, cool. um, That God through Jesus initiated a relationship with you. Is that a book? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, where's that cute little book? Oh, Siri talks to me too. Oh, shoot. It, it, it will. I, I think I turned do not disturb so it wasn't, but sometimes it does randomly talk to me. Um, where was I? Okay. Um, it does take effort and planning and work to make it happen. But the motivation, like I said, uh, to do this comes from the Holy Spirit, reminding you that through Jesus, uh, through, that God through Jesus initiated a relationship with you. So ladies, we cannot underestimate the importance of spending time with believers for the purpose of loving one another and growing in godliness. God said early on in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone and then created woman. So we know his intention was relationship. He made us for relationship and especially with him and also with one another. Christ sought us, to, Christ sought us out to have a relationship with him and in the same way, we get to seek out relationships with his people. And that is a privilege. Letter E, <laughs> letter E. Lastly, control your body. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Elizabeth Elliot says this. <clears throat> <clears throat> Discipline for a Christian begins with a body. We have only one. <laughs> it is this body that is the primary material given to us for sacrifice. We are meant to present it, offer it up, and give it unconditionally to God for his purposes. This is our spiritual worship. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You have to remember that you have been brought with price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You are now able to serve God with your whole self, mind, body, and soul because of God's electing love, Jesus' death, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
And I think it's best that although our physical bodies are required for the other four disciplines I just mentioned, this may be the one area that we see laziness most manifest. Did you know that there are over 70 million obese people in the US? And this is determined by a BMI over 30, body mass index. Fat pride or fat empowerment is a thing praised now in our culture. We also see the opposite with starving ourselves or surgically altering our bodies for the purpose of self-love or having an Instagram worthy body. Isaiah said to the people in chapter five, verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Yeah. Don't fall into a mindset that thinks caring for our bodies doesn't matter to God or the way I take care of myself is a personal choice. We cannot give our hearts to God and keep our bodies for ourselves to do with them what we want or think is best. Our bodies are a gift from the Lord to be used for his glory and the good of others. Self-control, one of the fruits of the spirit, is defined as restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. And this is possible, ladies. We don't have to live in in laziness or in self-motivated discipline, but rather gospel liberating freedom. Because Galatians 5.1, top of your outline, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery is the law. We don't have to, and the flesh. We're not, we don't have to obey our flesh anymore. We have been free because of Christ's setting us free. We're free to obey, obey the law. So let me provide some practical um, or some ways you can begin making these five practices part of your daily life. And these are just as, you know, write one down that maybe, you know, you, that stands out to you. Get a calendar and plan. Use a reminder app or function on your phone for scheduled plan disciplines. I have to take a bunch of supplements now. And so I started setting a reminder when I have to do that, because I won't remember to do anything throughout the day, unless maybe that's just getting old. But I, it's the same thing. We just need reminders. And, and because our phone is such a distraction, use it <laughs> to do what uh, God wants you to do. I'm just saying that it's really helpful. Um, three, sleep train your babies. This is not, you know, a law. It just allows some, predictab some predictability in order to actually do the five things mentioned every day that I just talked about. Get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Get breakfast and church clothes ready Saturday night. Especially the more kids you have, this is huge. This is what happened in our house every Saturday. Get to bed early Saturday night to prepare for church. That was another big thing. My husband, Sunday morning begins Saturday night, you know, something, you know, it still is being said in our home today to our adult children. Ask an older woman to help you find a reading plan for each day and ask her to keep you accountable. Buy a prayer journal to help with focused prayer. Write out the Lord's Prayer and start just praying that throughout the day. That's a, that's a lot in there. Commit to a community group or a women's Bible study to further your growth in Christ. Invite a family over once a month. Not the same one either. Growing in community. If you hate to exercise, find people that do and be inspired by them and move and walk. Walk and pray. Like two and one. You can 
read and pray. You can listen to music and, you know, all those things. Model that for your children too. Um, I say be inspired by people because it's easy to compare. It's easy to be envious and jealous. And that's something that God hates. Um, you're a family, you're sisters in Christ. Not everybody's gifted the same. Not everybody's wired the same. Use that to your advantage. <laughs> Draw from those people that are strong where you're weak too. That's, that's where community is important. If you don't know how to eat healthy, ask someone that does and be teachable. Maybe determine to cook. Cut out sugar and processed foods. Like we know basic things, right? And most importantly, remind yourself that your greatest need has been met in Christ. And all the other needs you have will be met in Christ. The promise of the gospel is the only way you will be able to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Well, we come to my last point. Discipline's byproduct. <clears throat> I really tried to have all peace, but this was as close as I could get. So the byproduct is love for others. Philippians 2, 3, 4, 3 and 4 says this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And repeated again in Mark and Matthew, Jesus adding, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These were the two commandments Jesus gave when the scribes asked him, what commandment is the foremost? Genuine love for God is followed by genuine love for others. Discipline flows from a love for God because of a transformed, regenerated heart. Love for others is the byproduct of discipline. Self-control is once again restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, and desires. This is only possible because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. He never leaves us. And we know the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. R.C. Sproul says this about that. The fruit of the Spirit is a combined package. All the fruit of the Spirit is to be made manifest in the life of a Christian. Seems really weighty. <clears throat> so we shouldn't be picking the fruits that come easy to us. Rather, seek to display all of them by God's empowering grace. All our efforts to obey God should come from a heart of gratitude and love for him expressed in love for others. Here are some examples that discipline overflows to loving others. So here's examples. I think that's the blank. With choosing to read the word each day, we are then able to teach them diligently to our sons and daughters. As Deuteronomy 4, 7 says, we are able to speak to one another in Psalms and in hymns and spiritual Psalms, Psalms, not Psalms, Psalms. Ephesians 5.19, ceaseless intercessory prayer is a way we can love others well, bringing them before the throne of grace and humble dependence on our Heavenly Father. Committing to attend church weekly allows you to stimulate others to love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, it's a weekly reminder that you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 7, 6. And 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a privileged church is. Don't neglect family worship. 
Walking in community, woman to woman, listening, learning, teaching, serving, and loving. There are over 51 another statements in the New Testament alone. One of the results of Adam and Eve's sin is that they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They tried to run and hide. Satan would love for us to isolate ourselves from the community of believers we get to be a part of. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whomever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he fights against all sound judgment. So as much as you may be an introvert, ask God to give you a heart to love people, to walk in community. God designed us to be in community, not just with your biological family either, but with a family of God, your eternal family. Placing our bodies under God's authority should be to to enable us to love others better as well. The motivation for bodily discipline should spring forth from a heart that seeks to love others well, especially our families. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And that, <clears throat> and that is perhaps why he teaches Timothy that bodily discipline is of some value. It is for the sake of the gospel and love for the loss that we eat, move, sleep. See the chart on your handout that provides some help comparing and I should have included this, this is kind of later, but self-motivated discipline, you'll see the chart on one of your pages. It says self-discipline, gospel, and laziness. It's just comparing those things and how the gospel allows us to live obedient, disciplined lives for the glory of God and the good of others. So you can look at that later. It might help kind of clarify what I'm saying. So I want to close with this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. The disciple who honestly seeks to let God remold her mind will direct her energies not to sorting out the exceptions, <laughs> loopholes or excuses or fine points of the law, but to a total surrender of obedient love. We love because he first loved us. We, as daughters of the king, get to practice discipline by humble dependence, grateful obedience for the, for the benefit of others because we have been saved and made new through the power of the gospel. So let me pray before you guys start having some discussions in your group. Lord, thank you for your grace, for your salvation, for choosing me, for choosing these ladies to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, God, that when you look at us, you see your son's righteousness. We are clothed in his righteousness. And because of that, we have free access to you. We have joy because we know that our inheritance is, is uh, imperishable undefiled, reserved, waiting for us in heaven. It's secure. Because of that, God, we with joy can obey you. We can obey the law out of delight. We can love others because you've loved us. And so I pray that the motivation for all of us to read our Bibles, to commune with you, to love the church of God, to love fellow believers, and to care for our bodies is out of great love and joy and gratitude because of what you've done for us. Thank you for meeting our greatest need in Christ, that everything else, God, will be met in you. So I pray that these women would not leave discouraged today, but encouraged because we have a great and awesome God who is with us every step of the way. Thank you for rooting us in your word and in your character and who you are. You are a great and awesome God, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
We also have Tawny Martinez, who you're very familiar with, and she gave a lot of great tips all the time, and she's the sleep training expert, and I think Jill might have been the one that taught her that. Um, so Tawny's come to Moms by Grace for nine years, since her first one was born, and the past year after the joint leadership, and she has been a great asset. She and Francisco also co-lead the Rooted CG. And then we have Shannon Munoz, also a dear friend of mine. Um, great realtor, by the way, give a little plug. <laughs> um, so Shannon has been married to one of our deacons, Manny, for 30 years. For 30 years. They have two adult children. They have Chase, who is in the Marines in Hawaii. And then they have Jamie, who's married to Tyler. They're part of leadership in the Abide CG, and also um, you'll find them at the end of church, those little people, question and answer people. A lot of times they're there. Hi. And, um, and then they're also part of the council So thank you, ladies. So let's start, first of all, with, um, for all of you, just a quick little thing on what did your time in God's Word and um, prayer look like when you had the littles. And how were you able to prioritize? Start with. Um, well, it looked it looked different depending mostly on my sleep. Um, a lack of sleep causes all sorts of other issues in my life, in most of everybody's life, actually. When my babies were not sleeping through the night, um, I would take two of the feedings to read scripture out loud um, with my Bible open, so I could read. But you guys have phones now, so it, it, I didn't have that. And then the middle of the night um, feeding, I would pray during the feeding, specifically out loud. Um, I found that a quiet place for both nursing and being alone with God was important for me in order to focus and pray out loud. When I was able to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night, my devotional time was typically during a portion of one of the naps, um, the kids' naps, either morning or afternoon. Morning was my preference, but I would take um, time to do it then. When my kids were sleeping nine to 12 hours, um, I would get up before them and spend time with the Lord. And they weren't out, allowed out of their rooms until 7, so I would get up around 6 to wake up, get coffee, and sit in a quiet, private place and spend time with the Lord. Um, I think a consistent spot, consistent, adequate sleep, and a disciplined effort to get up before my kids. And when my alarm goes off, I am learning that that's a struggle. It, it never has ever been a struggle for me to hear an alarm and get up and get up. So for others, if I laugh because like people set an alarm early so that they can snooze it 14 times. I, <laughs> so I just, that was just one thing I was like, it's a one thing, the alarm goes off, you get up. It was very black and white for me. Uh, and I would say I was someone who rarely went back to any sort of chair um, after uh, I finished my quiet time. I just I don't really sit down. I need to do a lot more of this. Um, so it was very important for me to get that first. Um, I consistently woke up about two hours before my kids were out of their room to get a full time in God's word. I'm a little bit slower in the morning to get my coffee, all those things. Um, 
Same thing, sleep training. Um, it really was only a blip when I was nursing in the middle of the night, if I look back. My, the longest one was only 10 weeks, and I never nursed in the middle of the night after that. So that was the hardest piece, that it, that it was hard to get up two hours before my kids when you're getting up in the middle of the night. But it really was a blip for all four of my children. And so after that, then it just came, okay, that alarm was at the time, that, that's where we get legalistic. But um, when the alarm went on two hours before, you know, that's when I got up and started my day. Same thing, um, my kids, um, my children share rooms, so it can happen, I shared this with sleep training, but it can happen when your children share rooms, they can stay in their bed, in their rooms together, even though, Baba, Baba, that's Presley right now, earlier than she's supposed to come out, you know, she is waking Ezra up, um, it's okay, we really don't hear much um, volume or noise, especially with this time change, this time's awesome, it's darker in the morning. Um, <laughs> They can't come out till 7.15. They don't have a clock. They don't know the time. That could be frustrating, perhaps. So Fran and I kind of tag team that a little bit of just, nope, it's not time. Sometimes they do come out and they need to use the restroom. We just push them back in. If it's getting disruptive, then there's discipline and training that does happen. And we tag team that. Um, but for the, my girls have a clock. They can see the time. They know. They're actually a lot. They're older. They're better to... Um, read or they get dressed, all those things before they come out. But I would just say that that training across the board is going to help you to have a consistent time. In God's word, um, what else was I going to say? Um, my tank, my bearing, my heart, my mind, my goals, my purposes all crave this time and are aligned when sitting at the feet of Jesus. As we've learned from several women speaking throughout the year, nothing fruitful can come of my day in my own strength without the setting and surrendering of my own heart to the Lord. Um, I think another way I, I really purpose in this season to be a part of studies. Um, again, I'm not a reader, so even in this season of littles, I like to commit to a Bible study so that I was at least reading good books too. It forced me, and then it forced me, it allowed, allowed me an opportunity to be known in that particular Bible study and also have been praying for those people. That was a good Discipline that helped me was just join a Bible study. Um, and then I guess all this to say, it really doesn't look differently than in a season without littles. So just to keep going, it's going to always kind of look consistent, perhaps, whatever season you're in. So I, um, I would say that I did not make it a priority when I had littles. Um, I didn't come to FBC until 2006. And um, I would say prior to that, I was always a student of the word. Um, I was always a studier of the word, but it would be in a Bible study. So if I was in a Bible study, I was in the word. It was not first thing in the morning. It was usually at night. Um, and when there was not a Bible study, what happens then is I wasn't in the word. It wasn't, it was a piece of my life to study the word in season. Sometimes out of season, I would not, right? Because I wasn't in a Bible study. 2006, came to FBC. 2008, I saw a difference in my life. Actually, we didn't have women's Bible study. Remember those days? Um, 2006, there was no Bible study, women's Bible study, or church that I could be a part of. 
Um, and so that really reflected when you do not have a priority of spending time in the word, just your quiet time with the Lord in his word as a daily discipline. When you're not in Bible study, you're not in the word. And that was what happened to me when I came to FBC 2006, 2008, being that woman who opened my Bible on Sunday and it got dusty during the week. It affected my life hugely. Um, 2008, I remember though, resolved. I saw a woman, there was a woman in my life who loved Jesus so much, it oozed out of her. She never challenged me in it, never called me out, but I wanted what she had as far as that relationship. So I remember that year was when I was like, okay, now. My kids were 11 and 14, so I didn't have littles, but doing daily time in the word when you have teenagers, my daughter just got married in September. Um, those months before she got married, getting up at 4.30 in the morning to spend time with the Lord, because my day is busy and long too, is hard. And so I didn't have littles, but I did have stay up late, right? Because they want to talk at 11 <laughs> o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, I got four hours to sleep. Oh my goodness. So sometimes during the last couple of months, my daughter was home, so this can be relatable. Sometimes when your kiddo, your baby is sick or teething, you don't get any sleep. Those days happen, or you sleep trained them, but then they get sick. I relate that to my time before my daughter got married <laughs> for hard times as far as being able to get my sleep. Um, that's when I would prioritize listening to a sermon, going over my memory verses, during the day because I didn't get up at 4.30. My day wasn't able to start quite that early. And so it's being intentional in that day to decide when it's gonna happen. I'd actually decide before I went to bed, when am I gonna find time to spend with the Lord tomorrow? Because I need to, right? So, yeah. Not sure. That kind of leads in, Shannon, and I'll have you expound on that a little bit with how did you find time in your busy schedule throughout the day to put scripture in your heart and then what prayer tools have helped you grow and what are the, some of the ways they can teach their children to pray? Loaded question there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to start with how do, how do I currently and how did I when my babies were littles, right? When, how did I find time to store God's word in my heart? Um, I would say the best way, if I could urge every one of you, if I knew and exercised this discipline when I had littles, what a difference it would make in my life is memorizing scripture. Literally storing God's word in your heart is, I see a woman in here who I've done often exercising that I miss you, <laughs> um, is the best way in the time of life that you guys are in right now, that you can take it with you. Spending an hour with the Lord, I find, is not even as impactful to my life than 15 minutes of memorizing a, a verse to create passages that I've stored in my in my heart. Um, it does 15 minutes. If you give me 15 minutes a day that can transform your thinking. Um, ways that I, I wanted to give you guys some practical helps on that, right? Um, there's always, first off, waking up early, right? 
sleep train your kiddos, they're sleeping through the night, you're getting up at your, join that 5 a.m. club, um, or 4.30, whatever that time you have to do to get your stuff done. And then I would say, you can do that in the morning, but also throughout the day, right? Like you have, there's mindless tasks that you have every day as a mom of littles, right? Washing dishes, doing laundry, making beds, vacuuming, breastfeeding, taking a shower. I just learned of a new trick. I have my passage I'm memorizing, hanging on the outside of my shower. When you're in the showers, no better, like 10 minutes, right? And I know you get, maybe it's a five minute shower. Five minutes though, you'd be surprised what you can get stored in your heart in that five minutes, right? And so those mindless times, it's all about like discipline, right? It's all about being intentional with those moments that the Lord is giving you. And what are you gonna do at those times? And the other hard part for you guys with littles is they are talking to you all the time, right? They, you don't even get to go to the bathroom without them sometimes, right? And so it's great to be memorizing with them. So you're saying out loud your verses, let them help you make a song or movement of some sort or a dance. Arlene is great. Get with her, this girl, she's got it. Like she knows how to do that. Um, and so those are ways that you can. Resources that I had, what really grew my love for memorizing scripture, I'm a, like, re, let me research this to the death before I start doing it. So literally I spent probably a month researching before I actually started applying the discipline of memorizing scripture. But John Piper is great. You can listen to him on YouTube, um, recite a chapter of the Bible. It's so inspiring. He talks about the importance of memorizing scripture. He has, this is online for free. It's an approach to extended memorization of scripture. And I think it's on Desiring God website, but you can download it for free, a PDF. And Susan Patches, who first also got me going, she's memorized like over 22 books of the Bible. Amazing little tiny booklet. Susan Heck, A Call to Scripture Memory, great resource. Um, what else do I have? Oh, Revive Our Hearts. The best tools, the one about the shower, I got from listening to Revive Our Hearts. Um, there's a Glenna Marshall, January 9th, on um, Desiring God. It's called Hiding God's Word in Your Heart. I would recommend a listen of that. Um, you do laminate that scripture, right? Uh, you know what? I, I don't. I put it on the outside and I hang it on a hook because it'll get wet. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So use index cards. So John Piper will tell you before you walk away from your time in the Lord, write a verse down. Take it with you. Put it in your pocket, right? So that when you're nursing your baby, or you're doing your laundry, or you have a tongue where you're doing your dishes, right? But how much better way to be talking Deuteronomy 6, right? When you walk along the way, when you're going, how can you do that if you don't have God's word tucked away in your heart, tucked away in your pocket, right? Um, practice it at dinner with dad so you can be a part of it. Such a great way such a great way to be storing God's word in your heart throughout the day. Sorry if I went long. No, that, you can tell Shannon, this is her passion and she is my scripture memorization inspiration. Can't say I'm your best student yet, but, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but that is her passion, and I love Shannon for that. Thank you, Shannon. Okay, so Tani, what are some of, we're going to totally switch gears here, what are some of the ways you made church attendance a delight and not a duty? Okay, um, I would say simply put, I love the church. Uh, I didn't want to be condescending, um, and I'm going to give some help or encouragement in these next few thoughts, but I did pause after reading and thinking through this question. Church attendance and involvement, opportunities to minister and serve the bride of Christ who really is a means of grace. I get so filled up. I'm sure we even look back to 2020. That month or so, we didn't get to meet corporately. The feelings of meeting and missing the regular, assembling together as the body of Christ was great. That missing was great. Um, even just recently, the last few parenting Q&As that the Farrells and the Dotsons did, I loved this. I took this away. Sean Farrell described um, when he was sharing that him and Tracy want their lives to cross-section with the church. Obviously, we've seen that displayed in the Farrell home. But I really, I love that. Brandon and I talked about that. But that's where our, we want our lives to cross-section at the church. So I would even just encourage you, go home and think about what is your life cross-sectioning with? Um, is it sports? Is it other activities? Is it children's? I don't know. What is it schooling? Is it whatever? Um, where's a cross-sectioning? Okay, so practically, I wanted to give you some help um, to anticipate the greatest stage week we think of Sunday. Um, I think just first backstepping it, there's just already a consistent routine in your home. Every So Sunday hopefully doesn't look too different, um, but just that consistent pattern all week. You know, there is still a hiccup. But So Sunday morning starts Saturday night. Get them to bed on time. Um, with, you know, sleep training. There should be a full healthy night of sleep because they're, they're trained to do that. It shouldn't look different necessarily for Saturday night. Lay out their clothes the night before, including their Bible bags for their older kids, maybe getting some special coloring. We did that scramble for a while, especially when our kids were on the uh, field with us. Like, so laying that out now has become a routine that their Bible bags also, they, the kids can pick that out. Um, get up and ready before the kids get up. I'm done. Hair curled and everything. It's only on Sundays <laughs> for me. Um, have a planning routine with your spouse to work together to get the family ready and out the door. Um, for us, it's I'm upstairs helping them get dressed, making their beds. Fran will start breakfast downstairs. And he's usually starting that time down there. Um, so this is where Shannon just mentioned, in the, those mindless tasks, I think using the means of grace to love people, I've thought a lot about even this, you're, you're working through the passage maybe that's what's going to be studied. I'm like, the mindless task of standing there curling my hair, getting ready for church, I'm thinking through, who have I prayed for this week? I'm going to go follow up on that. Um, you know, I, I want, I heard this thing at CG, I want to follow up on that with someone. Those are the means of grace that we can love and get, we can stir others to love and good deeds that we want to take advantage of to, when we meet corporately. So I'm thinking through those things so that I'm going to church with that and thought, or I'm going to look for someone who doesn't look connected and, and try and help to love them. Um, Julie brought Colossians 3, but being able to fulfill the calling of those, that verse, 
um, to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, that all happens corporately. The one another, to love one another. So, seems like it went off. That's okay. I'll just talk about it. Is it good? No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So consistently dropping your kids off at the children's ministry, just keep going, keep doing it consistently. Um, they're gonna, they will love to learn the time with their Sunday school teachers and learning God's word. You're, you're creating habits all the way so they will love to go to the student ministries, junior high, high school. Create that consistency. You know, as your family, just think we're gonna commit to two services for those reasons. Um, okay, so lastly, I would say being known and having my kids be known is a delight. So it said, how do you make it a delight and not a duty? That's a delight to me that my kids would be known, that we would be known among people that love me and that love Jesus. Um, that's, that's his sovereign care. That's the means of grace and his protection. We need each other. Um, your heart really will be stirred to love and good deeds as you depend upon the spirit. Um, engage your heart and your kids. Oh, your kids sing. No, no. See, I got it. This is why. Yes, okay. That's me. Oh, see, I'm getting mixed up. Oh, dear. I did, I did the printing front and back, and that's what's messing me up. I think that was it. That's really all. That was it. Okay. That's very kind. Thank you. I just want to add really quick, too, because something I was thinking about when you were talking, and then I'll let you. Did you find your... Go ahead. I was just saying the alternative... Staying home, being independent, autonomous, isolated is the weary, lonely, dangerous, according to scripture. And so you guys have littles, and sometimes they don't. They go through a phase where they don't want to go to Sunday school. But they're so influenced by your attitude and your heart. So I would just say, make sure that you're building up. Oh, you get to go to Sunday school today, and you get to go with Miss Tommy, or who, you know. And that, if they know you're excited, they'll get excited. And if they cry, it's okay, I'll see you. You know, because I know it is hard to see them cry. And, they, and it's, they're not bad teachers. It's just a stage they go through. But the more positive you are about it, the, that's just going to overflow into your kids. Um, okay, so Jill, what's the definition, your definition of self-care and thinking about um, the world's telling us we need to take time for ourselves? Give a biblical view of taking care of ourselves and why this is important. Well, I kind of did that already, but um, I don't really like the word self-care um, because when you hear it in the normal setting, it basically is talking about self-love, love of self, and care for self with the focus on self. So this is not a biblical concept. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfishness. So we are commanded to love God and others, and we take care of ourselves in order to serve God and serve others better. And I said this earlier, your body is to be presented to God first and foremost as an act of worship. So, sleeping is an act of worship. Eating right and healthy is an act of worship. Exercising is an act of worship. A better word to think about in this area is soul care. So the self-care, soul care, caring for your soul is the most important. And out of that comes your attention to other areas in your life as it relates to your bodies. We should be spending most of our energies on that which is eternal. It's not wrong to get your hair done, get a pedicure, but if it's not, if it's done for yourself primarily, seriously, 
even those things. Then repent and ask God how all of life can be an act of worship to him and to love others. Um, <clears throat> so soul care, that's the focus. And your bodies are part of that because they're the Lord's. So discipline or find ways, and I, I know this is practical. You guys have been great on giving very practical tips. Um, it is getting up in the morning, setting an alarm, getting in the Word, praying, communing with God. You know, memorizing Scripture happens when you actually meditate on Scripture. <laughs> That's the way I've learned it, is just going over one verse a day and just thinking out, what does this say about God? Who is God? So that's one thing. Um, caring for your physical body, though, I think is probably the emphasis of this question. You know, I, I made an effort to get up before John left for work and go out and run two miles. I mean, that took 20 minutes. Maybe longer. Um, but that's when I had littles. That's when they were, you know, a year, six months, two years old. So there were things I prioritized because I knew um, I needed to. Yes, I loved to, so that's weird. Some of you guys hate to. But what I've learned now, um, not so much to get up and run, but I do a lot of walking. And when I babysit several little kids at my church, because I love it, I go and take walks with them. And I walk with the young moms with their kids. And that's what I do. That's kind of my ministry. So go walk with your kids. Go look at the birds in the sky and the heavens declare the glories of the Lord. You know, there's so many things to declare about God on the walk. And like uh, Shannon said, when you are filled with scripture, you're going to speak scripture. You're going to declare. That's the purpose of reading the scripture. It's not for you. It's for others. It's not just for your heart. It's to give out. So anything you read in scripture, you are speaking it. And that can be done anywhere. But um, find help. Get help with eating right. Get help with exercising. There are people that are great. I got help with helping my kids do crafts because I eat crafts. And I eat in a messy house. So Tracy Carroll, that's where my daughter went. And, you know, there's practical things. You know, I didn't know how to dress. You know, I went, and, you know, people told me I didn't. So I, I asked for help. So, again, it's, it's good. We need the body. We need each other. Not everybody's good at everything. And don't expect yourself to be. I think it's really sad. But soul care being the priority, not self-care. And it's okay to get away. It's okay to get away to foster your own soul. That's most important. So if you go, honey, husband, parent, whatever, I need an hour. Can you watch the kids for an hour? I need to get away with the Lord. Go for a walk for an hour. Spend time listening to scripture. That's just a good way. I don't know. That's what I got. So on that, too, what holes do you see in the balance of young moms facing between serving their families and their home and serving in church? And what advice do you yeah, I was hoping to answer that after Tony's because that, that is a big one. But I think the big after, after Tony's question that she just answered, I was like, oh, this would be great. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna kind of, similar, like serving their families and serving the church. So I think the big hole would be most likely to be that you choose one or the other. Um, typically, it's serving in the church that gets the back seat and back burner. Um, perhaps excusing yourself due to your busy schedule or the ages of your children, health issues. Um, homeschooling, the better question to ask is, what does serving in the church look like? I think for some of us, just showing up on Sunday morning looking for ways to love others, and Tony mentioned that, is a way to serve the body. Being intentional. Going and not making it about you. Maybe it's praying for the elders and leaders and sending them a note to tell them that. 
It could be babysitting for someone who needs to go to the doctor, to serving on youth staff or children. There's so many ways that you're serving the body. I think sometimes we, we put it in a box and say, it's gotta look this way. I've got, so this person does this, so it must look like this to serve in the church. But there are so many ways. And in every season of life, God doesn't say, oh, this season you get an exemption. You know, not, and he's so gracious and merciful. It's not that we have to, we get to. It's not a have to, it's not a duty, it's a delight. And I think that's what, when that changes, your capacity will change. <laughs> um, I find that we like to put service, I put this into a special category, make it for the special people or those with greater capacity. You will grow in capacity and godliness as you grow um, to trust and depend on the Lord each day and give yourself to others, especially in your church family. God never asks us to obey the command um, that he won't supply the ability to carry out. Remember that we get to serve our family and the family of God, both families, and serving others you're caring for your own soul. And Tommy said that too. When you give yourself away, you're being blessed. You're being filled up. And so don't neglect that. Um, also, it is time. if time is the reason, perhaps look at how much time is spent on your phones. Um, I think my time on my phone comes up on Sunday mornings, and that is a good measure. Like, how much screen time? How much screen time? And how often do you say, I don't have time, I'm too busy? It's like, wow, that should tell you right away what you're busy doing. So, serving that honors God is motivated by love for God, love for others. So start by asking God to help you love to serve your family. Sometimes you neglect your family to serve the church. That's not honoring the Lord either. So talk to your husband or a mentor um, and ask for prayer and some ways in this season of your life to serve the church. There's ways. It, it may not be what you think, but there's ways to serve little and big. Connie, do you have anything to add on that one? Your plate's already full. Yes. Because you serve a lot. Or just, I mean, I kind of answered, I don't know, it kind of said, how do you invite or foster community ministry when your plate's filling really full? I just said, invite community into your fullness. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be very practical. Uh, I list look, list your priorities for the day and see where people can join you in that. So if it's I need to run an errand, is there a young single gal that I'm ministering to that can join me on that errand? Um, and so I'm inviting people into the messiness that they're, yes, I'm going to get interrupted with parenting, but that's okay. They're, they're there to be a part of that. Um, exercise with a mommy or two in the same season. Um, so, so this is getting community. This is how you're developing relationships in the messiness or the busyness of life. Um, maybe you go on a walk or you shared that. Um, this is, this is part of what our relationship developed. I, she forced me to train marathons with her. So that's like a lot of running on the road together where she's investing in me. We're, you know, doing life together. So it's exercising. I think conversation and loving one another can happen a lot around exercise. Um, we have a workout at the park Thursday morning, so you guys can join us. Um, I just think there's fellowship that happens before and after, and you get to follow up and touch base weekly while we also... Let our kids do the same. The kids are running around and playing together, too. Um, invite a family from church for dinner. We talked about that. So this is inviting the messiness in, uh, perhaps. And the dinner looks interrupted. Or 
I don't know. I, I mean, I'm like, throw soup on so that it's in the crock pot. Kids love bread, provide a lot of bread with it. Maybe a grilled cheese with the, with the soup. Um, we've, we've, my girls have grown in this. It's so good to teach your children to love and care for others as they come into my home. So I talk with them beforehand about if there's specific kids coming over, how can they love? And they will come up with the cutest thing for baby Maddie. Like they, they think, they know those kids and they think, oh, she likes that. And they go plan that little thing. So getting your kids involved with that, I, I think it's cool to see that that's happening now as they're getting older. I tend moms at the park. This is a weekly occurrence that takes little to no effort. My mom or other people are there to serve and, and watch your kids, but you're getting community. You get to be freed up to be with other people. Um, take it a step further. Now, you're gonna think about someone that you're gonna invite with you. So now you're taking it a step further. It's not becoming a recipient. You're the recipient. Now I'm gonna invite someone else because I love the community. Now I'm inviting someone else to join me. Hey, let's go together, you know? So you're taking that step further. Um, faithfully attend a CG. This is, I feel like we should know this, but this is the biggest an opportunity to develop community, um, to be known. For the, this season, it's consistent bedtime, or maybe your kids are consistently having a babysitter, so that can happen undistracted, that you and your husband can go to CG undistracted. Um, and then last, like, with your mom's at grace, organize a little play date. Have them over to your house to get in the spa together. Um, another way that you guys are hopefully um, fostering community and coming alongside, being in the trenches together. And then lastly, I would challenge you, as Jill did, is your plate full with the right things? So, because community in the body of Christ is up there in the priority list and should be an area of pursuit, even the busiest and mundane season with littles, is your plate full with the right things? Okay, so lastly, real quick, Shannon, um, have you, how have you seen your priority of healthy eating and exercise benefit your marriage? <laughs> <laughs> okay, for before I go that one, that was the hardest question. I was in like up all night over that question, but I did get it. So, but I do not want to leave. I have a prayer tool that I want to give away, and I know we're short on time. So, who I'm all about, I love resolves. Like, I love to make new resolves. New Year is a good time to do it. Did anybody here make a resolve to make prayer a bigger deal in your life for 2023? First hand I saw was yours. This is yours, okay? So this was um, my number one favorite prayer tool, but on to her question. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, that wasn't my question. So a praying life. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Paul Miller, a praying life. I would say that book spurred me on the most in my prayer life. Um, I just answer that question. Okay, so so no, you stayed up all night. You have to do it. <laughs> so I would say a praying life was a huge tool, and I would say that um, we in that tool in that book I learned about praying scripture again with memorizing scripture. Right, it goes hand in hand. So when you um, learn, it's such a great tool to teach you how to pray for your family, friends, church using scripture. And also, uh, PrayMinder is an app, PrayMinder. I just came across this app. That app will help you. I'm so sorry, Greta, that I'm not answering the question you asked. That app will help you. 
that app will help you throughout the day. My hardest thing, and which is why I love scripture memory, meditation, I do opposite of Jill. I memorize and then I chew on it all day long. They're both, they go hand in hand, right? And so, pray minder, my watch goes off now throughout the day and it tells me. So if you ask me to pray, if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, you're going in my app. And I'm going to attach a verse to it. And when my watch goes off, that's what I, it reminds me. I'm so thankful. It's been the best tool ever in helping me because I am very focused in my day and I get distracted and I become independent from the Lord. So that's where I try hard to grab a verse to think on. And I try hard now with this pray minder to remember to pray for those people in my life who I've committed to pray for, right? And so how do you do that with your friend, with your kiddos? How do, you, how do you teach them? That's the question I had, too, that I'm so... What are some ways I can teach okay, my children to pray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so the way that I would do that is, like, I thought about Deuteronomy 6 again, right? Like, how, how can you teach your kids things that you're not living, right? You can't. When you are, when it's overflowing in your life, it's going to come out throughout the day when you're walking with them, when you, when you rise up in the morning, when they go to bed, right? So it was, I'm growing in my prayer. I'm going to be sharing that with them. So prayer cards for your kids. They have friends that have needs. They have friends and their families that have needs. Sit down and help them create their own with pictures. Or, you know, when your prayer minder goes off, guess what? Include your kids to be praying for people. They're praying out loud for these people. Praying verses for these people. You can actually put the verse in the app. And so you ask them to join you in prayer. What a great way. I wish I would have had that, but the Lord is sovereign and he's faithful. For you to teach your kids that, what a gift to give your kids to teach them how to pray God's word, to teach them to be mindful of other people throughout the day. Good thing. That was a better one for me than the other. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no worries, but you can see her heart and her passion. And wow, it just... Who's this out of you, as you said? Thank you guys so much, ladies. There's so much wisdom here, and I love it. And I learn from Moms by Grace every day. Okay.